as you uh, make your way to your seat. Uh, just so you know, I believe the Christ candles in the box are battery operated, so don't worry. Uh, we didn't uh, give your children a fire hazard. Um, and uh, it was uh, fun to stand in with the, uh, the choir loft for the, the men's choir and to see the looks of surprise on people's faces as we started to sing, sort of as to say, wow, they sort of sound halfway decent. And, I mean, and the look was like, you know, from that motley crew, there comes a sound that even could be called beautiful. Wow. So it's fun to watch your faces. When I uh, planted my, uh, our garden this, uh, this year... Um, I didn't mark what seeds I planted where. And, uh, you know, well, I, I knew enough to plant the runners, the things that needed something to run up, you know, in the back so that they would have then a screen to, to run up. And then, you know, Kathy comes out. And she's like, so what's planted here? They're like, I don't know. I don't, don't know. But you know what? We'll water it, the sun will come, and it'll start to grow. And as it grows, you know, when it first starts to grow, you can't tell. Just this little bit of green thing coming out of the, the ground. But then you give it a little more time as it matures, as it grows. And then, as Jesus said, and I turned this into a spiritual exercise to which my wife rolled her eyes at me once again and said, because you know, Jesus said, you'll know a tree by its fruit. And so when the fruit, whether it's a flower, an herb, or a vegetable, we'll know by what it, uh, it grows. The same is true for us as Christians. As Jesus said, he was talking about us. And the, the Holy Spirit lives within us, dwells within us. As we talked um, last week, the A of the ABCs is that the, the Holy Spirit affirms that, that we belong to God. That everyone who belongs um, to, to God, who has named Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, has the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And that Holy Spirit then is in a battle in our lives to bear fruit. And as we'll, we'll see in our, our passage here, we note that the character of the Spirit is that he, he doesn't come in like a coup attempt. He doesn't come in, you know, and just uh, with the grenades and all kinds of firepower and uh, um, taking names. He, he comes in and responds... To our invitation, to our surrender um, to Him, that He doesn't just come in and take over totally and completely, you know, like uh, um, uh, you know, some kind of magic pill. And it's our journey of the Holy Spirit bearing fruit in us uh, that, as we surrender to the Spirit, as we follow the Spirit's lead, then we mature. Uh, we grow, as uh, one of my favorite titles, um, a long obedience in the same direction. That the Holy Spirit bears fruit um, in us. 
And as we'll see in the passage, there is a battle between following the lead of the Spirit and following the lead of what the Scripture says here of the flesh, of the way of the world, of the way of our own selfish indulgence, of pursuing what we want, pursuing what the world would say we want, versus pursuing what the Spirit is leading us to do and how then... In the course of our life, the Spirit then bears fruit, reforming us, changing us to be more and more like Christ. Our passage then in Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start with verse 13. It's found on page 948 in your pew Bible. You can follow along on the screen, follow along your pew Bible or whatever other form you might have of the scriptures. Let's pray. Your gracious God, we thank you for your written word and we ask that you will um, speak to us. Your Holy Spirit will, will shine in, in our minds, in our hearts. Um, you will uh, open uh, our, um, our hands uh, to receive from you and to, to do uh, your bidding. Lead us, teach us, uh, guide us. For your glory and your honor we pray. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter 5, starting with verse 13. This is uh, Apostle Paul writing a a letter to the church um, in Galatia, that area, the Middle East. For you are called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you're not consumed by one another. You see here now this distinction, this dichotomy, these extremes that Paul is setting before us. There is the way of of self-indulgence. There's the way of doing what we want, of following our agenda, of of, uh, our own pleasure um, for for just us. Or, he says, and and you see here in the way of the Spirit, uh, that the way of the Spirit is the way of Jesus. uh, For uh, the way of the Spirit will lead us to fulfill what Jesus said was the, the greatest commandment. Um, which Paul here speaks to that second part of the commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. So he's setting those up um, against one another and really showing the the tension of the battle that we're in. Now, verse 16. Live by the Spirit, I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. And what the Spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to prevent you from doing what you want. Now, note here, Paul's he's defining flesh and spirit for us. You know, flesh isn't the stuff that's on our bones. Flesh is the way that is opposite of the Spirit. He's already spoken some about, you know, that it's sort of self-indulgence. It's just about me. And it's, it's the way uh, of the world. So that, that's what flesh is. It's the opposite of the way of the Spirit. And so, again, he's, he's giving this battle, this tug within us between the flesh and the Spirit. But note here where, where he says they're opposed to each other. And at the very end, he says, to prevent you from doing what you want. Now, we normally, at least or me, maybe it's just me, but I, I hear that and I'm like, okay, so that means what I want to do is the very thing I shouldn't do. And that sort of becomes a law. 
that if I want to do it, that means it's wrong. I don't think that's what Paul's saying here at all. I think what he's saying is that this battle within us between the way of the flesh and the way of the spirit, that battle that we sometimes succumb to the way of the flesh, that we often succumb to the way of the flesh, that battle prevents us from doing the very thing that we want to do. Because in our deepest desires, our deepest longing, for every human being, I propose to you, who is made in the image of God, our deepest longing is to do what our Creator wants us to do. That we were created with a purpose to glorify God, to enjoy God and glorify Him forever. That's what we were created for. But our own evil within us, our own selfishness, the way of the world, that the devil himself works in every way to, to tarnish that pure, to crack that pure, beautiful desire that we were created for. And that battle within us prevents us from doing the very thing that we truly want to do which is to enjoy God and to, in, and, and to glorify God forever. I think that's what Paul is telling us there. So, this battle rages within us. Verse 18. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not subject to the law. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Now here, so now he's going to give us, the, this is the fruit of the flesh, the fruit of the way of the flesh, and then he's going to give us the fruit of the way of the Spirit. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness. Those, those first three deal with sex. They, they deal in, in different ways. I mean, fornication is clearly you, you're having sex with somebody that's not your spouse. And, and then the, the other two deal with the more sensual elements, even have an element of violence in it. That it's just your, what you might call orgies. You know, it's just, you're just going for what makes you feel good. You know, it gets your, your hormones going without concern for anyone else. So that's the way of the, the flesh. And that he's uh, focusing on those first three words. Then the next two dealing with a false spirituality, idolatry or sorcery, where you're using whatever tools you can to, in, to engage with the, the spiritual powers, any other spiritual power besides the Holy Spirit. You know, superstition or astrology or fortune tellers, all that kind of stuff where we pursue any other spiritual, some extraterrestrial kind of guidance besides the Holy Spirit. Because what, what that means is, and we even do it with God, where we just use God as a talisman. You know, we, we, we just want to, we put a fish on our car thinking that will protect us. You know, I mean, it's that kind of thing. Um, where we're using even that, uh, any kind of spiritual force besides God for just for ourselves. And then, get this, the next eight words. I'll give you something about the importance of them to Paul. He then gives eight words that give the range of our emotional reaction when we don't get what we want. You could sort of call it a temper tantrum. Enmities, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy. You know, just all that happens within us when we don't get what we want. And and how the the flesh, the the, the ways of, of the world, the ways of just me that can shine through when I don't get what I want. 
And then finally, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Again, you see, it's about the sensuality, about pleasure, about some kind of altered state of mind that gives me at least temporarily some sense of, of uh, um, glee, some sense of escape, some, some sense of just make me feel good uh, regardless of what the situation is around me. I'm warning you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, then, the fruit of the Spirit, so as the, the fruit begins to grow roots and the fruit begins to sprout within us, then, of the, then the Spirit sprouts within us. These are the things that begin to, to flow as we, we surrender to the way of the Spirit, till we, till we surrender to the, to the love of God. It's love and joy, peace, patience, Kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. There's this... So this, this battle that is within us, the, 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 these, these two poles that, that, that tear within our own soul, our own spirit, as we are in this process of maturing and, and growing into Christ-likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Paul, on a couple other occasions, he, he mentions this. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, he, he tells his readers, don't quench the Spirit. Don't pour water on the fire of the Spirit. If the Spirit is at work with you, feed it. You know, feed that. As we'll, we'll see. Feed it through His Word. Feed it through relationships, spiritual relationships with others who, who help us. And, and, and our own obedience to what we're hearing from the Spirit. In Ephesians 4, verse 30, Paul tells us, Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, it's almost like a, a parent watching a child. That when a child does something... It disappoints you when you're called into the office because of what your child... There's a real sense here. Don't don't grieve what the Holy Spirit longs um, for you. So again, you see our cooperation, our surrender, submission, obedience to the work of the Spirit um, within us. It's, It's a real relationship. A real relationship with the living God through the indwelling Spirit within us that, that will take a long time. Again, that journey. Long, uh, it, um, in the, what is it? Long obedience in the same direction. That journey with the Spirit continuing to mature us and grow us um, in Him. And it is that... that Maybe the one battle where the way to win the battle is to surrender. Is to surrender to the love of God. To, to surrender to, to believe and to trust, to receive the fullness of that, that God loves you. That God longs for you. To walk in His Spirit. To to enjoy Him. Maybe the the way of of winning that battle 
is to surrender. Now, I think another way for us to, to, to grasp this, to live into this, this, this letting the, surrendering to the Spirit to bear fruit in our lives is simply to hear a story from another. And uh, so when I was uh, planning this uh, service uh, a number of weeks back, I talked with Gene Schneider, who's the director of care, um, connecting and counseling here. And if you, you don't know, in the, the White House, right, the building just right uh, through these walls, um, uh, there's uh, um, Jean's office, and she oversees counselors and listeners and um, does uh, counseling in there in acute ways with individuals and, and families to, to walk with them, to surrender to the love of God, to receive the Spirit, to let the Spirit bear fruit in their lives. And, and sometimes there are times when folks are ready that the next step in their journey is to share their story. And so Jean suggested Jennifer Albers to come and share her story. Now, this, uh, as we'll hear from Jenny, the, the, uh, the, the ministry of the, of the White House really is one of those ministries where it, it from, from uh, uh, CHPC, this ministry to the, this church and to the church at large. Um, in a very poignant and particular way. So I asked Jenny to come and share with us her story and her journey as the indwelling spirit continued to, be, to faithfully lead her to bear fruit for his glory. I don't need oh, that. You don't need that. No, oh, yeah. but thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> he doesn't want to make me any louder, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you for asking me here today. I will have to admit that in preparing this, I was really nervous um, to come and speak to you, but you've been so kind to me that it's starting to sort of go away. However, show me grace, please, if I start to shake. Um, I was actually raised in the Presbyterian Church in Lima, Ohio. I was a member of Market Street Presbyterian Church for my whole growing up years, and my mom and dad were members here at College Hill Presbyterian Church many years ago for a while, so it's familiar and it feels good. Um, This is really an act of obedience that God has asked me to speak out on my faith right now, so this is my first opportunity, so thank you very much. I'd like to begin my story when I was a freshman in college. I received Christ that year into my heart, but actually I think what I really did was ask him to be my magician. I would have liked to have stayed on the throne of my life, and I just wanted him to come in and do all the things that I asked him to do to make everything better in my life. You see, when I was a young girl, um, the most important thing in my house was that everything looked perfect. And so it did, and we worked really hard at that. But on the inside of my house, there was darkness and alcoholism and secrets and fear and anger. And in those places, Satan came into my heart as a young girl and said to me, you are unwanted, you are unloved, you will never get anything right, And you were a mistake from the very beginning. So in my teen years, I started having sex. I started using alcohol. And I was hoping that those things would fill up that hole in my life that was left searching for acceptance. 
when I was 21 years old, I dropped out of college and married a man that I hadn't known for very long. Six months after that, I um, had a little girl, and three years after that, I had a little boy, and they were a joy to my life. But my husband and I um, bought the lie that the world and the fruits of the world would give us what we desired. So I was going to actually read you that passage in Galatians that says all that bad stuff, but since Pastor Smith's already read that and relieved me of that problem, um, I will just tell you that the drunkenness part of that, that passage got a hold of both of us, and we both became alcoholics. Eventually, um, 18 years after we were married, as many relationships do that are based on the fruit of the world, that relationship ended. And at that time, my daughter was suffering from a life-threatening eating disorder, and my son had succumbed to um, the disease of alcoholism. Um, I remember a moment in my kitchen all alone. At that time, God whispered in my ear and to my heart, follow me. And I responded and I said, okay, clearly I'm not doing very well at this life thing. So why don't you come up beside me, sit on the throne next to mine, and teach me who you are. And through his grace and mercy, he actually gave me a hunger for his word. So I, be, I, I actually stopped drinking at that time for a while. And, um, he, and I started reading his word. I read the Bible. I read wonderful books about how to be a good Christian person. Um, I joined a Bible study. And um, things were getting better in my life. It was at that time that he said to my heart, um, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And just like Pastor Smith said, something deep inside of me really wanted that something to be God. And so I, um, I, I pursued him. So not long after that, I met and married a wonderful man who is still my husband, We joined a new church, which was in our neighborhood, which is just that little tiny place in Oakley called Crossroads. And um, we became very active in ministry there and volunteered outside the church and the community. We were both involved in Bible study and in small groups. And for a period of time, I thought, wow, I finally did it. My life looks perfect except I'd started drinking again, and um, inside of myself, that rot started to grow up again. And God came to that place, and he said to me, Jenny, I want that thing. And I said, ooh, I don't think so. And he said, no, I want that thing. Because, you see, I want to be more in your life, and I want to give you more of me in your life. And I can't do that unless you're willing to give that to me. And I said, no, you know, I'm good. I said, you know, I'm really busy. I don't have a lot of time in my life, so I really don't need more. And besides which, I know you love me, 
And I know you don't want to take away the, the one thing in my life that gives me comfort. So life went on. Eleven years after my husband and I were married, my son, my daughter, and my mother all went into crisis at the same time. My daughter was suffering from a debilitating um, panic disorder. So she and her husband and her three kids and her dog moved in with us for a while until they could get their feet on the ground. At the same time, my son was pursuing um, help with his alcoholism and decided that he would agree to go to a um, rehab facility for six weeks. During that time, my husband and I were invited to family week with him. And in that week, um, my son confronted me about my alcoholism and said, Mom, I do think you're an alcoholic. And at that moment in time, my whole life changed. Um, I remembered God coming to me in that place and saying, I want that. And so I finally gave it to him. My husband and I stopped drinking and um, we got rid of all of the alcohol in our house, which allowed my son then to move in with us and my daughter and her family and her dog and his dog <laughs> for, for a period of time when he got out of um, the facility. And we all lived there together, which you can imagine was kind of hard, but it was also a huge blessing in my life because it gave me an opportunity to remother my kids and to get to know my grandkids, actually. It was wonderful. Um, However, during this, then my mom, sorry, I'm like the dog and up that kind of goes off. Um, right after that time or during that time, my mom got um, sick. She'd been suffering from dementia and she was diagnosed with terminal cancer at that time. So I brought her to Cincinnati so I could care for her. And during that time of her illness, I, I went into a deep identity crisis. That daughter who could never do anything right and that mother who had failed her children crashed and burned. And I got off my throne and I got on the floor in front of Jesus and I said, I am nothing. There is no good thing in me and I need you to be the king of my life. And he said, okay. So we started this awesome journey and I, I confessed um, to him my sin of rebellion and, the, and, the, and asked him for forgiveness for all of the things that I'd done in my life that had caused me to fail. And I also asked him to forgive all of the people in my life that had um, hurt me. Um, and I started praying this prayer, which is to this day my favorite. It's Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And teach me your way everlasting. And so we started our journey. Um, at, uh, at that time also, I, was, I met Jean. And um, she started helping me um, find the freedom that I so desired. So God started coming into all those dark places in my life and setting me free. And eventually he said to me, Jenny, you were never alone. I was with you always 
when you were being hurt, I was with you. And I was loving you. And I was with the people who were hurting you. And I was loving them. And then a while later, he came into the really dark part. And he said, I've wanted you from the beginning of time. I've known that you were going to be here long before your parents were ever born. He said, I'm the king of the universe. I created everything and I sustained everything. Do you not believe that when you were being conceived, I could have gone into that place and stopped that from happening? Of course, I could have. But I didn't because I was expecting you. I was expecting you. And when you were born, the heavens rejoiced. And when that When he said that to me, the doors of the darkness of my life opened up and his light flooded into me. And I was set free. I had known Jesus for a long time, but now I knew that my identity was in him. And I knew that the reason that he had to come and he had to die and go to heaven was so he could send the Holy Spirit into my life and send me all that joy and love and peace that I'd always wanted and never knew how to get. Um, My journey is far from over. And there are many, many days when I am full of doubt and fear and I feel unloved and unwanted. But today, Jesus is the king of my life. And I know that if I listen to him and I trust him, that he will never disappoint me. So right here in the middle of the journey, I have to tell you that my daughter is doing very well. She's still married. She lives in town. And um, I get to see my grandkids all the time. They're awesome. Um, My son is still sober. He um, went back to college and got a master's in social work and works in the field of recovery. The best news, here's the best news. Thank you, yes. The best news is that he found God in Alcoholics Anonymous. And he gave his life to Jesus Christ. And now he lives for the kingdom. So what I want to know is, is God speaking to your heart? wanting more out of you and wanting to give you more because I know he is. I know he wants to give you everything because that's the kind of God he is. So if you think that you're ready to do this, I would love for you to pray that prayer with me that has meant so much to me in my life and um, reach out to God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxiety. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in your word word everlasting. Amen. And thank you.